Letters from a Glass House is a not-for-profit ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Venice, Florida. Support us today at UUCOV.org. Always start clean. My grandmother, that, that poor, poor woman, used to say that when she was teaching me how to cross-stitch for the very first time. Now I want you to imagine in your minds this little woman, five foot four, German accent, no time to put up with foolishness whatsoever, and then there was me. And I was 12 years old, and I was not particularly interested in needlepoint. And I cannot underline that statement enough. I wanted to be a mountain man. And I had been outside playing with my sister and petting the dog and fighting with my cousins. And my hands and my shirt were covered in the evidence of all the things I had done and not done so far that day. Mud and dust, maybe a little blood from that baseball game. Potato chip crumbs and grass stains and six different kinds of grease. Always start clean. She brought out an embroidery hoop made of very pale birch wood and a perfect piece of this blinding white material. Rainbow embroidery floss. I hated every minute of it. <laughs> and before I could put my grubby little hands on it, she marched me to the bathroom and handed me a bar of soap. And I scrubbed my hands and I put on a fresh shirt, a fresh pair of shorts. I washed my face, complaining all the while. And then I sat down and she began to teach me how to cross-stitch a sampler. And when I got far enough along, she actually trusted me to take it home to work on it. And at first, I was great. Every time I sat down to sew, I started clean. I washed my hands, and I changed out of my dirty play clothes. But eventually, as all wise children do, I decided that I knew much better than her. I decided that this was silly. Because I had this down, right? I know how to do this. I don't need some outdated ritual to do just before I sit down. It was just sewing. This was all ritual silliness. So I came in and I got my hoop and I got my floss and I threaded the needle, started right where I left off and a day later I did it again. Did it again next week. took me about a month to notice how dirty the material had gotten. Smeary handprints made the white dingy and brown, and you could see the dirt from the ball field ground into the floss. Grease from my bike along one edge. 
The wood had absorbed the oil from my hands, and I was horrified to see that it itself had begun to leave a ring. Now this is true. I can't tell you how many hours it took me to clean up that damage, the damage I had caused. And I never tried to ignore the grime of living in the world ever again. Always start clean. Suddenly, wow, did it make a lot more sense. Rituals help us start clean. With or without superstition. Some of us like superstition. Some of us like mysticism. That's great. No problem there. But you don't have to. Rituals start us clean. Anything can be a ritual. At its base, a ritual is simply a repeated act. Ringing the bowl before the service, that's a ritual. UUism has a water communion and a flower communion, those are rituals. Maybe the way you relax before bed with TV and a beer, that's a ritual. There's an American writer, Michael Pollan, who writes about when nature and culture intersect. And they say, people have traditionally turned to ritual to help them frame and acknowledge and ultimately even find joy in just such a paradox of being human. In the fact that so much of what we desire for our happiness and need for our survival comes at a heavy cost. We kill to eat. We cut down trees to build our homes. We exploit other people and the earth, sacrifice of nature, of the interest of others, even of our earlier selves. Sacrifice appears to be an inescapable part of our condition, the unavoidable price of our achievements. A successful ritual is one that addresses both, that, both aspects of our predicament recalling us to the shamefulness of our deeds at the same time it celebrates what the poet Frederick Turner calls the beauty we have paid for with our shame. It's a fascinating thought. Without the double awareness pricked by such rituals, people are liable to find themselves either plundering the earth without restraint or descending into self-loathing and misanthropy. Perhaps it's not surprising that most of us today bring one of those attitudes or the other to our conduct in nature. Elizabeth Gilbert says, this is what rituals are for. We do spiritual ceremonies as human beings in order to create a safe resting place for our most complicated feelings of joy or trauma so that we don't have to haul those feelings around with us forever, weighing us down. We all need such places of ritual safekeeping, and I do believe that if your culture or tradition doesn't have the specific ritual you are craving, then you're absolutely permitted to make up a ceremony of your own devising, fixing your own broken down emotional systems with all the do-it-yourself resourcefulness of a generous plumber or poet. 
For a long time, you use have been uncertain about sacred ritual. For some, any is too much. For others, they miss it dearly. Historically, our heritage recognizes a lot of different types of ritual, all of them marking points of change and meaning in human life. Water rituals tend to get special attention. You know, Christianity has baptism and ritual washing and the mikvah or the ritual bath for Judaism. And it's easy to see why, right? You go into the water dirty, you come out clean. We understand that transition and we've changed that to a ritual. It isn't a far stretch to extend the metaphor from physical cleanliness to mental, emotional, or spiritual cleanliness. From Alison Krauss going down to the river to pray, to the talking heads wailing, take me to the river, drop me in the water. Everybody understands some idea of water imagery. Always start clean. It takes on a whole new level of meaning. Life's a dirty business. No matter how good you are at it, life's a dirty business. Day after day, you sit down covered in symbolic grime of everywhere you've been. You leave smears of work all over your family. Dirty spots of freeway traffic across your friends. You gum up your floss with doubt and stress and should've and would've and I wish I'd've and I might've. Always start clean. I invite you to think about reclaiming water rituals as your own in bigger, small ways. Ritual hand washing, a sacred way to put aside the things that would sully a meal. Now we know today you're washing off the germs. Let's not forget the science. We know that. But there's no downside to getting your favorite soap, the one that makes your hands feel like they have been smoothed by God itself. The one that smells like you think heaven would smell. I don't care if you believe there's a heaven. The point is, when you touch that soap, boy, do you feel amazing. It smells good. It makes you feel good. Before you sit down to eat, take a long moment. This tiny piece of comfort, start clean. Breathe deeply. Smell the glorious smell that you selected. Rinse away everything that's keeping you from shining at that moment. Rinse away everything unwanted that's stuck to you so far that day. Ritual bathing or showering is the same. Do it as often as you can. Listen to something that makes your heart happy. Stand or sit, lay down, I don't care. What soothes your soul at the end or the beginning or the middle of a hard day? Do something that makes your heart and soul feel like it's been woken up and rinsed clean. Choose lighting that soothes you, smells that remind you of the safest and happiest you've ever been. You are enough. Baptize yourself in the rivers of your own choosing. Dare to declare that you are altogether new. 
Let go of everything you need to wash away. You have the authority. No priest or minister or God is the only one allowed to say to you that you can start clean. You can say to you, I am a new creation right in this minute. Stepping out of this amazing shower that's the best feeling thing I've taken in a while. And you can do it every day. There's a lovely piece by an unknown author called Letting Go. It says, to let go doesn't mean to stop caring. It means I can't do it for someone else. To let go is not to cut myself off. It's the realization that I can't control another. To let go is not to enable, but to allow learning from natural consequences. To let go is to admit powerlessness, which means the outcome is not in my hands. To let go is not to try and change or blame another. I can only change myself. To let go is not to care for, but to care about. To let go is not to fix for someone else, but to be supportive. To let go is not to judge, but to allow another to be a human being. To let go is not to be in the middle, arranging all the outcomes, but to allow others to affect their own outcomes. To let go is to fear less and love more. All these are things that you wash away, that you let go of when you take control of the fact that you can begin again. And unlike some religions, I'm not saying that the ritual makes the change. You make the change and learn to use ritual to remind you that it is within your power to always transform, to be who you dare to be, to let go. The ritual is there to remind you that the change happened, to give you an exact moment to commemorate the birth of a new creation. We're born in water, and water rebirths us as many times as we need to be reborn. So remember my annoyed little five-foot-four grandma watching her grubby grandkids stab this poor piece of fabric. Always start clean. Always. Amen.